and welcome to the Boiler Upload Podcast. I'm your host, Mike DeFabo. I hope everyone had a happy holidays and a happy new year so far. Welcome back to the podcast after a little bit of a break. On today's show, we've got a quick episode, just one guest. It's going to be Nathan Baird from the Lafayette Journal and Courier. Uh, Nathan and I are going to break down a couple things. Purdue's coming off of a 77-59 to 59 loss at Michigan State. So we're going to talk about that one. We're going to talk about what we learned from that game. Uh, in particular, we're going to talk a lot about Travion Williams and his emergence and what it means for the Boilermakers going forward. Also on today's show, we're going to break down uh, the matchup with Wisconsin. The Boilermakers head to Wisconsin on Friday night for a 9 p.m. tip-off. Uh, Wisconsin right now is 11-4 and 3-1 and and in the Big Ten. So they've got a good overall record and good record in the Big Ten. They do have one pretty bad loss to Western Kentucky, which is not the best team. Uh, their Big Ten wins are over Rutgers. Iowa and Penn State. So uh, it'll be a tough matchup for the Boilermakers, though. On the road, the Boilermakers are still looking for really their first true road win, like quality road win. Uh, they'll see if they can get it on the road at Wisconsin. So let's kick into that interview with Nathan Baird right now to break it all down. We now welcome back to the show our favorite recurring guest. This is Nathan Baird from the Lafayette Journal and Courier. Nathan, uh, how are you doing? How'd you make it back from the New Year's and also then from uh, some snowy days in Lansing? You know, it really wasn't too bad compared to what we had last year in Lansing. I'll, I'll take the little dusting, even if it was whiteout conditions for a couple miles, the, compared to what we had to drive through last year. So, uh, yeah, not too bad. Just go you know, back on the road in the Big Ten. That's what that's what winners are all about. Right. That's right. And the, uh, Purdue has a, a tough slate to start out the Big Ten, I guess resume the Big Ten season. I think I counted six of the first seven were against ranked teams when Big Ten play resumed. That started, of course, at Michigan State the other day. The Boilermakers lost that one. Um, what were some of your big takeaways when you look back at that game? At the at the Michigan State game? Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's. I was trying to ask the the, the players and, and Painter about this after the game because how do you – and someone else had asked Painter about it. Like how do you assess a game where you're down by four with 11 minutes to go against the number six team in the country on their floor, you know, really good team. You're obviously your 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 roster's a little bit compromised that night because Boudreaux is hurt and Harms is really kind of just saddled with foul trouble. And so you're right there in that game in the second half in a way that they weren't against when they played at Michigan in a way that they really even weren't in the Notre Dame game where they had to you know make kind of a surge late mm-hmm. to make that game close. So do you take something away from that or do you look at the 19 point 18 point final margin and, and take more from that? Um, I, I don't think there's any. Um, shame in losing at Michigan State. And really, there's not a lot of shame in losing by 18, especially when you when you factor those other things in. I think what's probably frustrating for Purdue, though, is that every time they go on the road and they have something good happen, like what happened with Trevon Williams, who just kind of, you know, erupted and had this, you know, certainly the best game of his career right. so far and was had such an impact, they're still doing enough other things wrong that really took them out of having a chance to potentially pull that upset. Like I said, it, it's hard to win at Michigan State. Not a lot of teams are going to do it. But when you have when they, when they shoot the ball the way they do, and when they keep going for the three instead of you know running offense the way they did uh, in the second half or the, really the whole game against Iowa. I mean, that was what I thought was maybe the most frustrating thing, probably from the Purdue perspective between those two games. Um, it, it, they needed the defense to travel, but they also needed kind of that that really crisp half-court offense approach that worked against Iowa to translate. And again, you're playing a different team. You're playing a tougher defense in Michigan State than you are in Iowa. But I thought Purdue got away from that approach 
pretty early and in just very familiar ways as far as, you know, selling for too many threes, not looking inside, not trying to get the ball inside, um, or or not finding some other answer when Michigan State took that away. So it, it certainly, I don't know that it felt like a step back for Purdue after the three-game winning streak, but it wasn't much of a step forward compared to what we'd seen from them on the road so far. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm kind of with you there where it's kind of a mixed bag. I, I you know, if you know, Carson Edwards is such an enormous piece of this team, win or lose, and to be in the game and to for Purdue to be down, like you mentioned, only four points with 11 minutes to go when Carson was having, you know, you could probably call it his worst performance of the season to this point. Uh, I thought that that was actually kind of a good thing. And it, like you mentioned, there were some positives in that game. One thing that I definitely wanted to talk about was Travion Williams. I mean, I think that he really broke out, and it was a standout game for him. Um, I guess just first, what's the evaluation of what he did? And then later I'll ask you a little bit more about what it means. Well, you know, early this season, I was pretty skeptical that we were going to see much of an impact from him at all. And part of that was just because of the minutes that Harms and Boudreaux were playing and, and how well they were playing and the fact that Williams was really on the periphery of, of the rotation. Um, there were a couple games, I think the Texas game, the Virginia Tech game, where he didn't play at all. I mean, those are big games and you're not a, a factor in any way in, in the game plan. So I, I really didn't think that we would start to see this. And then obviously things kind of turned the corner against Notre Dame. And it's been a sort of a steady climb, really, to, until what we saw from him on Tuesday night. And I think it means a lot. I think it, it, it says something he was able to go in. And, and he had some personal motivations. I think he wrote about that. I wrote about it a little bit. Like, this was a game that meant something to him, mm-hmm. being a guy who's from the you know, or had lived in the Detroit area, um, went to high school there, was recruited by Michigan State, had been there for, you know, uh, in the summer for open gyms and things like that. And I think he, he knew that he could prove something by going up against people like Nick Ward and, you know, the rest of that front court and, and, and toughing up and, and, and showing something against those guys, producing and getting rebounds and, and, and defending against those guys. And, um, you know, he had seven offensive rebounds. He had that really nice block of, of I think it was Ward, um, and it just it, it's more than just the fact that he's they're getting him the ball and he's scoring. He's, he's affecting the game in a lot of ways, and uh, he was the reason that Purdue had any chance to stay in that game in the second half, really. Mm-hmm. One big thing with him that I wanted to touch upon is he's lost 50 pounds since he came to Purdue. I think he, he wears number 50, and there have been some comparisons to Caleb Swanigan. I know he looks up to Caleb Swanigan because of uh, you know his same weight loss journey. Um, but I, I thought it was really important for for um, Travion that he was able to play 15 of the final 20 minutes, which he mentioned to us today that there was no way he would have been able to do that at the beginning of the season. Uh, I know that he obviously wasn't as effective at the very end. He did you know, show some signs of fatigue, but I thought that was a, definitely a big step in the right direction. The other big thing that I noticed was um, he's commanded double teams a couple times this season. He didn't against Michigan State, and if you guys remember last year, Michigan State didn't even d- double eyes a cost. Right. That's part of their strategy defensively. Um, but that's big for Purdue because it's been such a huge staple of Purdue's offense the last couple years with Isaac Haas and Caleb Swanigan where you know, Matt Painter constantly talked about it where he said if they're one-on-one, we want them to score the basketball. But if they get doubled, we want it to kick them to kick it out and get you know find that open shooter for an open three-pointer. That was like Purdue's offense in a nutshell right there for like a several seasons. Now that Travion Williams is starting to show some of that, I think it's promising for the future that you know with guys around him like 
Aaron Wheeler and you know uh, Eric Hunter, I think that they're going to maybe have some of those same things that made Purdue successful in the past. I think you're going to see some of the same offensive formulas in the coming seasons. Well, and I think the thing that where they can potentially capitalize on that the most with Williams is the one trait I think that he shares maybe most with Swanigan. I suppose you'd probably say me actually the rebounding first potentially, although Swanigan did that better than anybody in Purdue history almost, but. It's the soft hands that he has and the way that he can use that in in half-court offense. I mean, you can get the ball to him in the low post, and he draws that double team, and he does a good job passing. He does a good job handling the ball down there, especially for a freshman big man. And I think that's something that's going to grow over the course of his career. That was sort of the – people saw the points that Swanigan scored. They saw how many rebounds he got. But it was always such a hidden trait of his game. And it wasn't like he piled up a ton of assists, but just the way that he knew how to – to put the ball out, to get it out to the right guy. And a lot of times he knew that ball was was coming back inside. That was the other important part about the way that Purdue ran offense there. And that's what Purdue's got to get back to, even if it's not with Trevon Williams down there, even if it is with Matt Harms or Evan Boudreaux. They've got to find a way to keep getting the ball inside and and trying to establish some kind of presence down there, even if it it isn't that dominant presence that you would have had with a a Swanigan and a Haas. You've got to keep opponents... um, you got to keep them honest a little bit down there and and know that the ball can go back out and know that when the ball goes out it can come back in like it's it, it, it that offensive cohesion is, is really what has lacked from games like uh the loss at Michigan State the loss at Texas um they, they don't get the same they don't get the kind of flow that they need and they've seen that even on a night where where Carson Edwards can score 40 points if the rest of the team is just chucking threes um that that's not the that's not how they're going to win games mhm so uh Staying on the topic of these big men, so now you have three centers, and it's kind of interesting because Evan Boudreaux came in, and we kind of thought that he was going to play the four when he came to Purdue, but what they found is that he gets just a better matchup at the five. Now with Travion Williams kind of emerging, evolving, you know, getting in better shape, um, and then obviously you've got Matt Harms as well. How do you envision this position in particular shaping up? You know, now you have three guys. I know in the immediate future, Evan Boudreaux told us, or Matt Painter, I guess, told us today that Evan Boudreaux will not be playing at Wisconsin. But, you know, as the season continues and everybody's healthy, how do you imagine that position shaking out? That's a good question because for right now. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, we've waited this long for one. I figured that we should uh, (laughs) make note of it. I, for the in the short term anyway, and maybe even for the long term, I don't know that it. Sh- I think it's going to be a three way timeshare because I don't know necessarily that any of these guys has the trust of Painter to defend successfully at the four. Um, Harms has done it in practice um, at, at times, and something he has a background with, and obviously Boudreaux has a, a background with it. I don't think they're completely uncomfortable with it, but I think right now he looks at Wheeler and and Eifert especially and says those are the guys that need the bulk of the minutes those are the guys who I know can defend the four and and can do other things on the floor at the same time so I don't know if it's gonna in time if those guys can prove themselves more defensively or if if Purdue's in a pinch I think it can mean more you know positionally as far as giving Purdue some more flexibility because I over the summer when I looked at this team I thought that it would have a lot of uh, positional flexibility. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, if Wheeler could prove himself as someone who could defend the three, if Harms could prove himself as someone who could defend the four, and then it, then you can start to, oh, we can put two big guys on the floor at the same time. You can put um, Wheeler at the three and Eifert in there at the four and a big guy at the five, and now you've got a, a, a more um, Purdue-ish front court as, to, as far as what they used to do maybe with um, Vince Edwards and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but... 
to to the coaching staff satisfaction that has not happened in practice or in, in other situations. So uh, I think what it gives Purdue right now, though, is obviously depth. And, it, and the emergence of Trevor Williams is important because, um, you know, Matt Harms and Evan Boudreau, I think, had done what they could as far as trying to provide that um, traditional big man presence, that kind of, you know, um, traditional five but it's something they have to try to kind of morph into, whereas that is what Trevion Williams is. He's a, you know, a, a big bodied, you know, big lower bodied guy right. <laughs> who goes in and gets gets you know deep position in the post and doesn't let somebody move him. Like that's that is his game, and he goes in there and and not and shoves people around and gets rebounds, and that's not first and foremost what either Boudreaux or Harms are. And putting that presence in the Purdue's mix and you know we asked Matt Harms about that today and I thought he he was right that now it's just another thing that teams have to start preparing for which is important um you know Xavier Tillman said after the game that Williams was not on their scouting report as somebody they needed to worry about he was not on the scouting report in a significant way as a as a problem for them to deal with and then the game situation sort of forced what happened the other night. I mean, with Harms getting in foul trouble and Boudreaux not being able to play. So, and now we know Boudreaux's not going to play Friday. And that's a, obviously Wisconsin's a team that's got some big bodies up front, Ethan Happ and, and other guys. And, and Purdue's going to need this depth because now imagine if, if Trevin Williams still wasn't ready and you don't have Evan Boudreaux, what's Purdue doing at the five Friday night? I mean, Matt Harms can't play 40 minutes, even if he isn't in foul trouble. And now you're really having to start to play some small lineups against a team that would really be able to take advantage of it. So Williams's emergence right now is, is one of, is looking like one of the potential keys for Purdue just to just to get through this and potentially have the kind of season it wants to have Mm -hmm. yeah it's coming at just the right time too with Evan Boudreaux's injury uh speaking of just just to piggyback a little bit add one more point um talking about Williams style I thought it was pretty funny uh Matt Harms the way he described it was booty ball which I, I, <laughs> I didn't want to say. I, I was trying to, to, to talk you can, around You can it, say but, booty ball on this podcast. Don't okay. worry. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to talk around anything that anatomical, but uh, it, I think that's probably an apt description. Uh, right. And, and, and like you mentioned, I think it, it's interesting because now you've got a couple of different body types that you can do different things against different styles of lineups and stuff like that. Um, okay, well, how about as we look ahead to, to Wisconsin, before we analyze like the game itself and stuff like that, one thing that stands out to me about Wisconsin is, you know, last year, uh, Wisconsin was in a situation where they had, you know, in years past, they had this huge streak of going to NCAA tournaments, they had Final Four appearances, they had Elite Eight appearances, and then they lost this really important senior class, and they were left with Ethan Happ, their, their stud sophomore, and a bunch of young guys. And as we saw, they missed the tournament. Uh, the season didn't go the way that they had planned. They had a couple injuries and whatnot. And I asked before the season, I asked, uh, you know, uh, Wisconsin's coach, you know, what lessons can Purdue learn from that? Because now Purdue is basically in the same exact situation where they lost an important senior class and they're left with their star sophomores, now a junior, and a bunch of young pieces around them. When you look at these two programs, is it fair to say that Purdue is, is similar in some ways, is, is similar to what Wisconsin was last year, where they're a team that's, that's in transition, that's struggling to find the experience? Is that, is that fair, or, or is Purdue further along than what Wisconsin was last year? You know, the big difference just in how those seasons developed was that um, Wisconsin ran into some injury situations, took some guys out for the entire year, and they had to rely on freshmen more heavily than they expected. I think that was 
kind of the underlying issue for them last year. They just had they were just very very young, um, and those guys I think will be good players in time. But it was kind of forcing them to 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 be more than they were. And I don't think Purdue is quite in that situation because they're not their freshmen have kind of been able to come along at their pace. You know they've been role players to this point, whether that's Wheeler and Williams or Stefanovic or Hunter. You know they're not guys who are, who are counted on as frontline guys the way Wisconsin was counting on some guys last year. And I also think that the, this Purdue team is 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 better than that that Wisconsin team was last year. You know that Wisconsin team against the kind of schedule that Purdue is playing right now would have probably been even worse than what they ended up. You know I think they were mm-hmm. fifteen and eighteen. You would have been looking at a, a really sour record um, having to do what Purdue has done this year as far as going on the road playing ranked teams that sort of thing. So I think Purdue is is farther along than that. Um, but I also think there's going to be some similarities too in terms of how much better Purdue looks in late February and March than it has in November, December. Again, you, the, the caveat is the schedule they were playing at the time made, made some of this look maybe worse than it was. They, they, Other than a couple of games, they've, they've had more or less close losses, and they've won a lot of the games they're supposed to win by, by big margins, which is why you're you're still seeing you know, the computer rankings and stuff that, that still really like what Purdue is. Um, but, uh, you know, I think in time you're going to start to see, you know, each of these little things that we see happen, whether it's, you know, Eric Hunter starts to look just a little bit more confident on offense. You know, um, Aaron Wheeler's – both sides of the ball, yeah. Defense, oh, he had a good game. Really, Eric Hunter, I think my point about him is there were, he st- they took him out of the Texas game because of defense. Right. And that's when his lim- minutes were really limited. And on the TV broadcast, they couldn't stop saying about how, how good, uh, how well that uh, he was playing defensively. Um, it's, so it's important that he does. I mean, he's going to have – there's going to be nights where you're going to be playing – there going to be there's going to be nights where you're playing a a guy who you can take advantage of and then there's going to be other nights where it's going to take everything you've got to come in and try to stop Cassius Winston even for short stretches as a freshman in the Big 10 and uh, I thought he did a decent job of it last night he mean and and I thought I think you know Stefanovic and and Wheeler all those guys I think have done a better job than I've seen in in past you know freshman classes of coming in and letting defense be the thing that that, that gets them started that they can come in and make a defensive impact and then play off the offense off of that. Um, you know, none of them are playing a huge offensive role except until what Williams did the other night. And I know Wheeler's had a game here or there, but I think for the most part, they, they've all done a pretty good job of trying to come in and, and, and defend first and foremost and, and build off of that. They're not perfect at it yet, as you wouldn't expect, but that's, that is another possible um, reason for optimism. If you're a Purdue fan, as you're looking forward to the, the next couple, you know, couple months, I, I think there is still growth there. And I think they're taking the right approach to try to utilize that growth. Mm-hmm. So a couple of weeks ago, someone had asked me if there's any danger that Purdue could miss the NCAA tournament this year. Now, as the season has unfolded a little bit, how do you, I guess, view that question right now? I mean, is there danger? There, there's certainly a, a greater percentage of danger than there has been in any year since last year's seniors were freshmen, I would say, which is you know a year where they went into the Big Ten tournament thinking they were going to have to win multiple games in order to get in. And as it turns out, that probably wasn't true. They got in as an eight or nine seed. They were, they were, or a nine seed. And they, they were pretty, probably pretty comfortably in, even if they hadn't, um, I'm trying to think back now who they beat there. I know they had to beat uh, Penn State in the semifinals to get into the, or in the quarterfinals to get into the semifinals, and then they lost to Wisconsin, I believe it was. Um, so they thought they had to win there in order to, to move. And they, I, I don't know that they're going to be, I don't think it, 
it really all depends on who they start beating on the road. As long as they can hold serve at home, as long as they don't have any big collapses at home, I think it comes down to do you, who do you beat on the road? If, you, if it comes out of the end of Big Ten season and the only teams they've beaten on the road are the teams that everybody else has beaten on the road, they don't get any wins of consequence on the road, then I'm not sure that the strength of schedule will will stand up for them because they're going to get to the end of the year and um, how many of those Tier 1 wins do you really have? I mean, they're going to get enough opportunities to, to win you know, the, the Big Ten, they'll play enough highly ranked teams that they'll get some tier, some quad run, whatever you call it, wins at home, probably just from, you know, the, the really good teams are going to be coming in. But um, it, it's tougher. It, it, you, you get so much more of a chance to if you can go out and, and win those on the road. And that's something they just, they literally just haven't done it yet. They've got to go start beating some teams of consequence on the road. And I mean, Friday is the perfect example. That's a game that, um, to get in the NCAA tournament, that's a game that you, that you win you don't have to win all of them but you do have to win some of them and so far Purdue hasn't won any of them so I think it's I think that they probably do still at the end of the day get in I think just their strength of schedule and the way that the that that they're rated is is uh, is is really favorable for a reason but um they and they're but they're aware that it's you know those the algorithms don't mean as much as addition at some point they need to just start adding some some road wins um and, and ones of significance um or else the, those computers aren't going to help them much when it comes to the the selection Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that the Big Ten, the rest of the Big Ten conference play is going to be kind of interesting because I think this is as balanced as the Big Ten has been in a number of years. We saw it even the other night when Rutgers beat Ohio State, and you know I don't really think that that's that ridiculous. I think that Rutgers even is the bottom half has completely has much improved. Yeah, and then the one thing I thought this year is there wouldn't be that those really elite type teams but i'm starting to now think that michigan and michigan state could be serious final four contenders um i guess what are some of your early impressions of the big 10 now that the big 10 conference plays resumed well no i i definitely agree with your first point i mean even teams like um i mean penn Penn state's gotten better you know wisconsin is a great example of a team that was down last year they're improved um, we knew Wisconsin was You know, I think better. even Iowa last year was terrible. Right. And they were ranked top 25 when Purdue beat them. So the, all these teams are climbing. I think that last week there were seven Big Ten teams in the top 25. A couple of them have dropped out since then. But I think I think a lot of those teams have improved and moved up. Yeah, I mean, it's just – I think sometimes people look at, at teams and, and if they're not, you know, a one of those, you know, a top 10 team or whatever um, – they they dismiss the, the the strength of the conference, but you have to look at. I mean, last year's what last week's top twenty five. I think there were ten teams that, in the Big Ten that received votes at least, if not were ranked. I mean that that is that's outstanding depth for any conference. And then you look at the teams that weren't getting any votes, but I mean, there's talent at Illinois. There's talent at Rutgers. Um, like you said, Penn State. I mean, the only team in the Big Ten that played a schedule similar to Purdue's, as far as you know, dumping off all of those. Um, really easy buy games and replacing them with tougher games was Penn State. Like they've they, they got rid of all those and they did it because of what happened to them last year. They said, um, you know, they they went and asked and and that's the, the feedback they got was that they needed to play a tougher schedule. So that's what they did. They they went and got um, a much tougher non conference schedule. It's not paying off for them in terms of record, but it may pay off for them um in the long run as far as how much it made them better to go through this Big Ten season, and then also those other things we're talking about as far as you know how the committee looks at them. So uh, this is uh, this is definitely in the, this is my sixth year covering the Big Ten. This is easily I think the the toughest that it's been from one through fourteen. I don't think there's anybody on this 
and and I know people look at again the records of, of of teams like Illinois and Rutgers, but those teams it's already happened. Rutgers already beat Ohio State, and Illinois is going to beat somebody that nobody thinks they should, um, if if not more than one. I think those are all games that every team you know you can't take really any game for granted anymore. And at Purdue kind of had already learned that lesson last year, as good as Purdue was last year, losing at Wisconsin, almost losing at Rutgers, or having that game go down mm-hmm. to the the wire. Um, you already saw this kind of starting to come along um, last year, and and it's really played out as, as many people thought it would. So uh, the, the, the other thing going for Purdue is that you don't have to really worry about, I don't think, being in the top six or seven of the Big Ten this year. There's a really good chance they're going to get eight, nine, ten teams into the NCAA tournament this year just because of, of the, the, the quality depth of the league. Mm-hmm. No doubt. All right, Nathan. Well, uh, I always appreciate the time. Uh, thank you so much for joining us once again, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking soon. You're very welcome. That does it for this week's edition of the Boiler Upload Podcast. Just a quick one, one guest just tried to get it in and out here this week. Uh, Don't worry, next week we'll be back with a more extensive, more typical type of Boiler Upload Podcast with player interviews and some analysis from opposing beat writers as well. So make sure that you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Also make sure to give the five-star review and be sure to follow me on Twitter. You can do that at Mike DeFabo. Thanks again for listening in and we'll catch you next week on the Boiler Upload Podcast.